This message comes from NPR sponsor HubSpot. Imagine growing a business with high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. This is a special... Extra special... ...episode of Life Kit for Parenting with Sesame Workshop. Yeah, we're going to talk with one of the most iconic humans from Sesame Street. Hi, welcome to Sesame Street. I just fixed Mrs. Guzman's toaster, and we're just checking to make sure that it works. Now, let's see, make sure it's plugged in, and... Oh, there! It's working! (laughs) Sonia Manzano played Maria on Sesame Street for 44 seasons. That's not just a career, it's a lifetime. Do you, Maria, take Luis to be your husband in good times and bad? to love him and care for him always. I do. I now pronounce you husband and wife. Yay! Little baby, I want you to meet all our friends. Uh, Hi. Uh, uh, Hi, little, um, uh, gee, what's your name? Gabriela. I loved Maria. She was totally... My favorite, for real. Uh, she ran the fix-it shop. She was so kind, so patient. But she's also really fierce when she needed to be. Totally. You know, meeting her at NVR Studios in New York, it was kind of like reconnecting with an old friend. <laughs> so we talked with Sonia about her time on Sesame, including the Muppet she'd most like to have dinner with. I'm Corey Turner. I'm Ani Kamenetz, and this is Life Kit for Parenting. We'll get to all of that after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Defender. With the Defender family of vehicles built for the modern explorer, the Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions. From the reimagined exterior to the robust interior with innovative, award-winning infotainment system to keep you connected. The Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the four-door Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Of all her 44 seasons on Sesame Street, the episode Sonia Manzano says was the most poignant for her. Where is he? Big Bird... Uh, Don't you remember we told you? Uh, Mr. Hooper died. He's dead. That's Sonia Manzano as Maria breaking some tough news to Carol Spinney as Big Bird. Well, she's going to come back. Who's going to take care of the store? And who's going to make my birdseed milkshakes and, and tell me stories? We drew in this piece of TV history quite a bit in our earlier Life Kit episode on how to talk to kids about death. And if you remember, Mr. Hooper, the character who ran Sesame's Corner Store, was played by actor Will Lee. And Will Lee, the actor, actually died in 1982. I just remember uh, 
Obviously, the whole cast was heartbroken that our beloved cast member, Will Lee, who played Mr. Hooper for so many years, was uh, no, no longer with us. Manzano remembers Lee fondly as a deeply devoted actor and as a lifelong activist. Will Lee was James Earl Jones's acting teacher. Really? Wait, yes. Really? <laughs> so Willie came from this whole kind of method acting world. He was a political activist in the 30s. Whoa. He would tell me about uh, Kazan, and as you know, during the MacArthur era. Elia Kazan? Elia Kazan, the director. Oh, yeah. Many people were blacklisted, and Kazan named names. Mm-hmm. And Willie t- would tell me about that time mm. and how he saw Kazan on the street and he crossed the street because wow. he didn't want to, you know, face him. And he would tell us about uh, uh, marching in the 30s for union rights. And uh, he, I, I always loved the way he would deliver lines on Sesame Street because mm. he'd go, but, uh, well, Big Bird. I mean, oh, oh, God. You know, and he would do all of this kind of behavior. And I said to the producer, to the, I said to Chelsea Singer, I just love the way he d- delivers his lines with that all that hesitation coming back. And f- I, I want to do that. And she said, no, no. I think he just doesn't remember his lines. And <laughs> <laughs> but a key, he was one of those kind of method actors uh, of that era. And... Um, you know, and I, I, I loved him for that, though he always used to say when we wanted him to be on the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, he'd say, I didn't work this hard all my life to work this hard. <laughs> <laughs> Will Lee's death wasn't just hard on the cast. It posed a real challenge to the show's writers. We didn't know, and I heard through hearing this through the grapevine, how to handle his departure. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everyone said, well, let's just say he retired mm-hmm. and let's do everything but say that Mr. Hooper had died. But a basic principle of Sesame Street was always that uh, we wanted to show children real life, the way the world worked. Mm-hmm. So it was all the the job of Dulcie Singer, who was mm-hmm. the executive producer, who really fought back the the sensibility of let's um let's say he went away or mm-hmm. let's kind of mm-hmm. gloss it over she really wanted to face it head on mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, she did a remarkable job of it this is so important because it's something we also talked about in our episode which is that we so many times we want to soften things for kids and and beat around the bush and tell them you know their dog went to live on a farm or um, you know somebody passed away but but really having the courage to be clear with kids yes and actually you really comfort them more if you're straight up with them and tell them the truth. I'll quote uh, Fred Rogers who said, why leave them to the mercy of their imaginings? Mm. Why not tell them exactly what's going on? And I remember as a kid having questions myself about life. And I actually, my mother was pretty good about them. I asked her once why she went to work when other mothers stayed home, because at Mm. that time, uh, you know, mothers stayed home and she had to go to work in a factory. And she said, look, if I didn't go to work, we could not make ends meet. We wouldn't have enough money. Of course, I'd like to stay home with you, but I can't. So that's another straight up answer, because I was thinking that she just didn't want to be with us when she left every, every morning. 
Do you remember uh, anything about the response to the episode? Well, it was absolutely groundbreaking. It was uh, scheduled to be shown on Thanksgiving Day so that parents would be home with the child. And after the showing of Goodbye, Mr. Hooper, there was a beautiful little piece that was just classical music and no dialogue. So there was a moment to reflect. So it was um, set up very carefully. Of course, people said, oh, some people said, how could they do death? The, our culture cannot handle dying. <laughs> you know, and other cultures have certain rituals that they go through, but we have a, a, a particularly difficult time. Why do you think, why are we so bad at death? I, that's a very good question, and if I had the answer to that, I'd bottle it and sell it. <laughs> Manzano also began writing for Sesame Street in the mid-80s, thanks to executive producer Dulcie Singer. I would question some of the Latino content on the show. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, well, you should do this and you should do that. And she finally said, why don't you try writing some of this material yourself? Now, at that time, there were no Latino writers. So she she challenged me, and I really backtracked. And I said, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. And that's how I started writing. writing the show. And, uh, you know, at that time, I was able to write about uh, falling in love, getting married on on Sesame Street, and nursing on Sesame Street when I was behind (laughs) the scenes and put my own. But I still think that the goodbye Mr. Hooper was the most poignant Mm. show that we did. I mean, it sounds like I'm talking about a reality show, right? (laughs) Marriage. Birth, death. Well, it's life, yeah. 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 Even though it's in this fantasy world. Even though world, in this fantasy world, it was very true. To, it was very true to, to, to the world. And it was a time where we, we weren't that concerned with teaching how a kid should go through school, through tasks of a certain generation. It was kind of the world in general and how things have always worked in the world. Well, this is really interesting because I know one of the things that Anya and I um, really wanted to hear about from you was, again, you spent, it was 44 seasons on the show, right? Mm-hmm. How did you see the world change? Um, you must have seen a lot of pretty big shifts. I saw a lot of shifts. I saw a lot of the television landscape change <laughs> profoundly. Right. In, in all of those years. And the show was first a magazine format inspired by variety shows and laughing. And uh, now we've changed. Now there's more narrative because kids started watching Seinfeld and Friends <laughs> and they wanted a storyline. Be- and, I, and I think the show always took into account what was happening in television in general. Mm-hmm. Didn't make a separate world for a kid's show. Uh, we had a producer, John Stone, who always said, kids, they don't want to live in their own little world. Believe me, they want they want a piece of the action as soon as possible. <laughs> they want to participate as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So this mm-hmm. whole uh, sort of Peter Pan, I'll never grow up, never grow up, never grow up, is a fallacy. <laughs> kids want to grow up. As you know, they want to take charge. Yeah. And, uh, and Sesame Street always uh, took, that, took that into account. So we're at the very beginning of this journey of creating media for parents. So so we can take advantage of your wisdom because something that's come up a few times is thinking about 
we're instructing parents. We're really, we're giving clear takeaways. But it does depend on your values sometimes. And sometimes there's judgment calls. And how did you guys do that in the most inclusive way possible at Sesame? Without sounding preachy. (laughs) Which you didn't. You were funny. Yeah. Absolutely. Being funny does a lot. And you'll get further and people will understand you better if you put the humor in. But I think we we kind of reached out to... You know, the general consensus of people. We didn't get into specific culture unless we did get into specific cultures. They kept telling me in the beginning that I should be myself. So I would use a lot of Spanglish. Mm. I was born in the United States, so Mm -hmm. I was raised on that. And I thought they were proper Spanish words. (laughs) <laughs> My mother would use them. Your like parents what? were both Puerto Rican? Yeah, they came from Puerto Rico in the 40s and mm-hmm. met here and I was born here in the 50s. And they would, I would say words to Big Bird, Big Bird, let's go lonchar for lunch. <laughs> well, that's not a word. Or I'll say, let's go to El Rufo to, for a roof. <laughs> or park the car, parquea el carro, you know, something like that. So, uh, you know, the... Research people would come down and say to the producers, you know, Maria's not using proper words. I'd say, how dare you say I'm not using a proper (laughs) Spanish word? My mother says this, and she lives, she came from Puerto Rico. Well, then I would talk to Emilio Delgado, who plays Luis, Mm Mexican-American, and he'd say, you know, I got to tell you, I never heard those words either. (laughs) (laughs) So then that made me thoughtful about it. And, uh, you know, and I realized that I was giving them a little bit of New Yorican culture. They Mm -hmm. wanted real culture, and that was my real culture. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So if anything, it showed me that if there's a problem, really face it. Use it as an opportunity to explore. Looking back now on your time on the show, I'm curious if one or two really intimate memories of yours stand out. I loved getting married on on the show. Uh, Maria's wedding was very popular and kids had little wedding parties with little cupcakes at home <laughs> to see me get married. And at the time I was recently married and I was able to put my own feelings about marriage in the show in a way that a a child would be interested in um and and also of course having the baby and uh as you know if you have a child when you have a child everything changes right like you see the world differently Mm -hmm. and I felt that with I when I had my child and so I I wanted to say, I thought to myself, how do I put that in the show? And I made Oscar think that he was not going to be a grouch anymore because he was so interested in in my pregnancy and he was so excited <laughs> about meeting the baby. And he's worried. What does this mean? Everything's changing. I'm not a grouch anymore. I really want to, I really love the baby. And then I, I'm... I'm able to calm him and saying, don't worry, Oscar, babies change everything, (laughs) but not your personality. Your personality will be intact. And I remember writing something where Gabby destroys the cassette tape. She's two years old and she destroys a cassette tape. And and Oscar says, aha, proof. 
she's a grouch. Look how she destroyed that tape. And then I was able to give the parenting uh, a, a tip or to acknowledge two-year-olds like to explore and they're destroying that, but they're not really destroying it because they're grouches. They're destroying it because they are curious. So if you had to be stuck on a deserted island, what Muppet would you want to be stuck with? Oscar the Grouch. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, throwing a curveball. Uh, really? Why? I, I mean, because uh, uh, I find that character nuanced. You're either talking to a kid or a 40-year-old. And, uh, you know, I could imagine Oscar and I going out to dinner when you can imagine. I mean, I could imagine I could imagine all of them going, you know, you know they were such fully formed entities. He, oh. he was appealing and that he had a whole world in that trash can that we didn't see was so fabulous. True. He had a pool and an elephant and uh, and it was a magical place that we never saw. Well, thank you, Sonia Manzano, for coming on and talking with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much. It's okay. been a terrific time for me to be on uh, the on the show, and I, I love to share stories about it. So thank you so much for listening. Actress Sonia Manzano played Maria on Sesame Street for 44 seasons. And she's still in the children's media business, working on books and a new television show. For more NPR Life Kit, check out our other episodes at npr.org slash lifekit. And while you're there, subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss anything. Yeah, we've got more guides coming every month on all sorts of topics like how to buy a home or how to learn to love exercise. I'm working on that one. <laughs> and here, as always, is a completely random tip, this time from our fellow Life Kit host, Maria Godoy. All right, parents, if you want to go on vacation and actually enjoy it, here's a tip. Make friends with a family that has kids of similar age as your own and then invite them to go on vacation with you. That way, the parents get to hang out and play and the kids entertain each other so you actually get to relax. Trust me, this one is one I rely on. If you've got a good tip or want to suggest a topic, email us. We're at lifekit at npr.org. I'm Anya Kamenetz. And I'm Corey Turner. Thanks for listening. Sadie Alexander was the first African-American to earn a Ph.D. in economics. Sadie Alexander spoke to the audience about the persistence of racial discrimination and the status of black workers as marginal workers. Join The Indicator from Planet Money for more profiles of unsung economists and other topics from economics and business every day and in less than 10 minutes. This message comes from NPR sponsor HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Doubleday, publishers of Lessons in Chemistry. Be inspired. Read Lessons in Chemistry, the number one global bestseller with more than 6 million copies sold. Meet Elizabeth Zott, a 60s-era scientist who brings her smarts and unapologetic worldview to a TV cooking show that has the power to change lives. Lessons in Chemistry is available wherever books are sold from Doubleday. All that sitting and swiping, your body is adapting to your technology. Learn how and what you can do about it. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. Once I started realizing what a difference these little bricks were making, there's no turning back for me. Take NPR's Body Electric Challenge. Listen to the series wherever you get your podcasts.